Dr. Sue Blank, we're so you are so fortunate that you have her at the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. She's a medical epidemiologist, and she's really been the lead for New York City for a long time. So, her and let her go ahead. And Sue, thank you. Oh, that's an awful lot to live up to. Plus, I have only 20 minutes. I'm Sue Blank. Good morning. I have no uh, financial disclosures to make. Hopefully, you've had a chance to look at the learning objectives. But in short, I'm going to be using local up to the minute um, epidemiologic data to tell you about the following three things. Increases, disparities that are persistent and growing, opportunities, and uh, resources. What we have here is the epi divide, is what we refer to it. You have, along this axis, cases per 100,000, with the exception of case rate per 100,000 re referent to syphilis. Here, though, this axis refers to chlamydia and gonorrhea over time um, from 2007 to 2018. Plus, you have HIV diagnoses um, over time as well. And what you see here is HIV diagnoses thankfully, have been low and are continuing to decrease as we do our work to end the epidemic here in New York City. Still disproportionately affected here in New York City are men who have sex with men. And what we see here basically are increases across the big three. Um, here are the numbers for New York City, just to give you a sense of um, the, the scale. Chlamydia um, from 2017 to 2018, you can see we had 72,000-plus cases reported to the city uh, health department in contrast to primary and secondary syphilis, where we're only talking about 2,000. And then um, what you can see here is the percent change from 2017 to 2018, and what you will see is there are increases across the board. As were just mentioned by, by Dr. Marazzo, we don't know um, what the final numbers are going to be at the federal level, although it does appear that um, you're going to see that we, the, there are increases, they are across the board, and they may well be different and larger than the increases that we've reported here in New York City. So we've got increasing bacterial STIs among the big three. Um, so what? We have decreasing HIV rates. Well, it is really important because um, in New York City, we did complete a, a series of retrospective cohorts uh, uh, reviews of men who have sex with men who are HIV negative, who attended the New York City sexual health clinics. And we looked to see, using the HIV registry, who among them went on to, to acquire HIV. And what we found was one in 42 who just attend MSM who attended the STD clinics, as they were known back then, was diagnosed with HIV within a year. One in 20 who, of those uh, HIV-negative MSM who was diagnosed with primary or secondary syphilis was subsequently diagnosed with HIV within a year. And one in 15 diagnosed with anorectal chlamydia or gonorrhea at the New York City STD clinics was diagnosed with HIV within a year. And that was one in seven if you were a black MSM. So what you can see here, and these are referenced hopefully in the e-syllabus. It's a series of studies by Pathella et al. And what you see is that bacterial STI really are associated with an increased risk of HIV acquisition. 
So any of these di bacterial diagnoses really needs to trigger a discussion about HIV, whether it's about testing, whether it's about PrEP, or for your HIV positive patients about um, adherence to treatment and U equals U, um, undetectable equal untransmissible. So first let's, talk, let's zero in, because I'm gonna talk about the big three. Zeroing, zeroing in first on reported primary and secondary syphilis in New York City. You have uh, case rates per 100,000 here. I can't really. Um, and you have them over time from 2000 to 2018. You have female rates in green, male rates in blue. And what you see is what? The male rates are going up. They are really driving the increases citywide. These are primarily, um, we do try to interview every single case of primary and secondary syphilis here in New York City. And um, we are actually successful in interviewing about 75 to 85% in any given year. Most of these men are men who have sex with men, but I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a sec. Um, and as Dr. Morazzo pointed out earlier, cases among, among women have not been nearly as high as among men, but we start to see an inflection here around 2015 where we're starting to see increases, and we know that these increases, as Dr. Morazzo also pointed out, presage increases in uh, congenital syphilis, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about that. Um, I also said I was gonna talk about disparities, and so you, I'm gonna go through the big three, and I'm gonna talk about some racial ethnic issues. What you can see here is, again, case rates per 100,000 population of reported male primary and secondary syphilis from 2000 to 2018. The overall New York City rate is shown by this broken line here, and you see that rate is going up. If we look at rate, racial or ethnic specific and ethnic specific rates, what you can see is rates among white men, show, shown in yellow, um, really resides, it looks like at around uh, uh, 20 uh, per 100,000, most recently in 2018. You could see that the rates among um, black men and Hispanic men are considerably um, higher. So when, as I mentioned, we do try to interview all these cases, and what we've learned from our interviews for the 2018 cases that we interviewed is we um, ask about who are your sex partners? Um, are you somebody who has se uh, sex with men, with women, with men and women, or with transgender patients? And breaking that up by race ethnicity of the uh, original case patient, what we can see is uh, light blue shown, the light blue part of these bars shows you what percent reported sex with men only. The dark blue parts of the bar, sex with men and women. The green parts of the bar, sex with women only. And what's striking about these bars of whites, white non-Hispanic, black non-Hispanic, Hispanic or Latinx, um, Asian and overall, is that white men are much more likely to report sex with men and men only. And this is important because if you look at, for example, black non-Hispanic men, they are more likely to report sex with, sex with women only, um, proportionately. Um, and what, the reason this is important is when we talk about um, syphilis among women, it's important to know how transmission is happening. So um, I just wanted to point that out to you, and we do try to keep track of that. We've been keeping track of um, 
um, early syphilis, and when I refer to early syphilis, I'm referring to primary, secondary, or early stage disease among women. And you can see here, um, this is cases per 100,000 among females, shown in green. And you can see the increases overall. Um, it's really sort of taking that prior slide and putting it under high power. And you can see that overall, congenital syphilis cases in New York City have been increasing. From 2017 to 2018, we had more than a tripling of our congenital syphilis cases. Um, we had 21 cases last year in the city, and one of those cases was a, was a stillbirth. These are really pu public health failures. We work very hard to examine each and every case. Um, some of the things that we are doing here in New York City at the health department is we work very hard to identify syphilis, to identify pregnancy, if, it, if it's even possible, among women with syphilis. Um, and we try to assure, and we work to assure that um, women are treated for their syphilis well before they deliver. Um, compared to the national picture in New York City, we're actually quite good about doing this. We were able to prevent congenital syphilis 92% of the time. Uh, the federal picture or the national picture is the percentage is closer to 72%. So we are very aggressive around um, uh, following up with women who have uh, positive serologies. Um, in addition, we go back and every time there's a congenital case that's, that's reported, we review each case and look at every step along the way with a multidisciplinary board of uh, people from different, different areas, social work, OBGYN, epidemiology, infectious disease, and internal medicine. And we look at what happened each step along the way. And in contrast to um, what Jeannie had mentioned earlier about the fact that women were not, in the national picture has women not showing up to prenatal care until it's too late. That is not the case in New York City. Among our cases, almost every single one was in prenatal care. And it consistent with New York State law, which requires a syphilis serology at the first prenatal encounter and at the time of delivery, what we're finding is over half of the cases and, and it was, I think, 55 or 60% in 2018, had that first serology. They were in regular prenatal care, but they turned out to have syphilis at the time of delivery. And as a result of that, we have a motion before the New York City Board of Health, they're going to be voting next month, to require that women have an additional serology done at 28 weeks or 28 to 32 weeks as part of um, New York City law, and I think New York State is going to be following soon thereafter. Another distinction that I want to make about the syphilis epidemic here in New York compared to the national picture is there was an MMWR that Jeannie referred to about um, relation to the use of heroin, um, meth, and injection drugs. That's not the case in New York City. We are not finding that association, although we have been looking for it. So it's worth knowing a little bit about what's going on locally because that, that might change the way you um, think about the management of your patients. I'm gonna turn now to the inflammatory bacterial STIs, namely gonorrhea and chlamydia. Here are the case rates overall, and again, it's, you're going to hear the same thing kind of again and again. Case rates per 100,000 over time from 2000 to 2018. Citywide, shown in the dashed lines. Women in the green line, men with the, in the blue line. And you can see that the rates among men are taking off, whereas they are decreasing among women here in New York City. And if we look at chlamydia, 
we're still seeing the same thing. The lines look different than the last slide, but if you look at the case rates per 100,000, dashed line being the city rates, green line being the, the rates among women and blue among men, um, we've been screening for chlamydia as part of HEDIS and as part of USPSTF uh, rec strong recommendations, A-grade recommendations now for a few decades. And so providers have gotten pretty good about their screening coverage. And in New York City, our screening coverage for women is about 75%. Um, and you can see among women, chlamydia is actually kind of leveling off. It's only really right around here that the recommendations started coming out around um, screening men for gonorrhea and chlamydia, and particularly for extra genital screening, particularly aimed at, um, at MSM or others who, who may have exposure at those sites. Um, looking at the racial ethnic uh, specific rates per 100,000, same time interval as earlier, um, and this is among all cases in New York City. You have the dashed line showing the city overall. And again, we see this disturbing splay in which cases among, among white non-Hispanics is greatly exceeded by cases among Hispanics and cases among black non-Hispanics. And we really need to be doing better. To know better is to do better, as I've been told. This shows you uh, reported chlamydia cases, again, citywide. Here are the rates per 100,000. They are slightly higher rates than the rates for chlamydia. Um, again, overall New York City, rates among, among um, white New Yorkers shown in yellow. And you can see it's like orders of, it, not orders of magnitude, but sev it's several fold different between whites and Hispanics and whites and blacks. And the purpose of, of showing you this slide, it's a study that was done of, from a national, um, national STD surveillance uh, effort. Monica Patton published this. And the point of this slide is really to, it's to look at um, persons who were screened at three sites to look at um, uh, positivity for one, for one extragenital site with or without a concurrent uh, urethral test. Uh, that was negative or positive. And the, the point here is that among the positive pharyngeal gonorrhea tests, almost three quarters of them had a negative urethral test. Similar proportion for uh, rectal gonorrhea and even higher proportion for rectal chlamydia and the highest 92% of uh, pharyngeal chlamydia tests had a negative urethral test. The point of this being, urethral testing is not good enough. If you have, if you have um, MSM patients, as was the case in this, in this particular study, you really need to um, uh, sample from sites where there's been exposure in order to uh, detect disease. Um, this is showing you, in New York City, we've gotten better about doing screening. It certainly helped when the FDA made um, extragenital screening something that laboratories could do without special validation. And you can see that since 2011, we've been getting more and more case reports of anorectal infections. These are male uh, rectal gonorrhea and chlamydia cases from 2011 to 2018. And in the inset here is just a reminder that the City Health Department does put out guidance for providers. This is really an, um, guidance for providers around screening for rectal chlamydia and gonorrhea among men who have sex with men. Somebody is having an effect somewhere because last year we, we had over 15,000 cases reported to us. 
So quickly, um, we do do, although there is no commercial test available for lymphogranuloma venereum, we do um, uh, archive all anorectal uh, chlamydia positive specimens um, at the public health labs where they run the tests. And we send batches up to the New York State Health Department lab up at Wadsworth. And we ask, we ask that they do some um, batch testing for lymphogranuloma venereum, which is the L1, L2, L3 serovars of chlamydia, which can really be um, very, uh, a very destructive form of chlamydia. And what we've been find finding over the years, looking at our different batches, if but really, if you look at the fourth bullet there, from, 20, from 2008 to 2011, we were getting between 9 and 12% positivity reported back to us by the state health department, all L2 serovars. We sent um, another, set, another batch in 2015, and the positivity had increased to 18%. Again, all, two, all L2 serovar, um, and our cases were associated with um, an HIV positive status uh, and rectal symptoms, although not all of our cases had rectal symptoms. At the city health department in our sexual health clinics, we do provide presumptive treatment for LGV, again, because there's no commercially available test. In patients with rectal symptoms suggestive of proctitis or asymptomatic HIV positive patients with lab confirmed rectal CT or chlamydia infection. Um, Jeannie had mentioned um, the GISP program, the gonococcal isolate surveillance program. New York City participates in the gonococcal isolate surveillance program, and we do some, some gonococcal surveillance well beyond that. We need to do culture in order to do gonococcal isolate, surveil isolate culture surveillance, and what we found is that um, we also use a panel of standard antibiotics that we test against. I'm showing you, it's a very complicated slide, but I'll walk you through this, that from 2013 to 2019, I've, I'm showing you what we report, what was reported out as, the, as um, uh, isolates with elevated MICs for ceftriaxone shown in dark blue, cefixime shown in yellow, and azithromycin shown in blue. And just disregard the numbers at the bottom. I'll explain those in a second. The gestalt of the slide is that the dark blue bars and the gold bars or yellow bars as you see them are kind of small in numbers and get smaller over time. But what's really taken off are, and those represent ceftriaxone and cefixime. What's really taken off over time are the, is the uh, sky blue bar, which it bars, which represent azithromycin MICs, and those have really gone up. And now the reason I have some of these numbers down below is to just point out that for our azithromycin MICs, we've seen increases. By and large, those increases are really right around the cut, the microbial cut point or, or break point. Um, but we have seen some really crazy high MICs in azithromycin. And there's more that we're going to be hearing in terms of what the recommendations are for treating gonorrhea and are we really helping ourselves by um, adding um, azithromycin. It is really important to note that um, to date in New York City, we have not yet re um, encountered a gonococcal superbug. No one has required hospitalization or any er ertapenem-like agents. 
and um, we have no evidence of transmission of drug-resistant gonorrhea to date here in New York City. So I'm just showing you increased MICs. I am not calling these frank resistance. This is just creeping MICs. Quickly, Health Department resources. We want you to know that really we are here for you folks as providers. You folks are very important insofar as you report these cases. I can't show you these slides unless these cases are reported. So um, thank you, and please keep up the good work in terms of case reporting, both you and your laboratories. Um, we do take reports um, from providers either electronically or by phone. We maintain the syphilis and reactor registry. So if you need to make sense of syphilis serologies, you can give us a call because they have to be interpreted really within the context of the patient's presentation and past history of serologies and past history of treatment. And we have records of that. And so by all means, please contact us. Go to the website. Oh, it's OK. I'll get it in a sec. Um, also, we put out quarterly reports that are available through our website. If you are not um, signed up to get the health alerts that the city health department puts out when there are public health issues that we want to convey to providers in a very timely fashion, there is the address for getting yourself signed up. We promulgate screening and treatment guidelines, and we are available for clinical consultations for STD or STIs, depending on what you call them. I want to thank you for your attention, and I hope that you just leave here knowing we got increases, we got disparities, we have opportunities, not just for treating those, but using those as opportunities to prevent HIV by getting patients who really need to be on PrEP onto PrEP and keeping our HIV-positive patients virally suppressed so that they can exercise their freedom in U equals U. Thank you. <laughs>